Time Out with Manu Kakopian. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Time Out with Manu Kakopian. Today we are joined by Artie Kasakian, who is uh, Glendale's elected city clerk and a college instructor and who's uh, about to run for Glendale City Council. Um, Artie has dedicated himself to raising awareness about government transparency, accountability, and increased civic engagement throughout his tenure uh, in Glendale for the last 30 years. And um, he has witnessed what Glendale has, what it is, and what it's becoming. And most importantly, he knows what it can be um, if all of the community comes together. And um, he's a parent, he's an educator, and he's a civic leader. And um, he's, uh, like we mentioned, running for Glendale City Council. And Artie's going to be talking about uh, his platform and uh, what he wants to bring to the table uh, there's going to be eight seats that are going to be voted on later next month, and uh, th- uh, only three will be able to uh, take it home. So uh, Artie is hoping to become one of those people. And Artie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Monica. It's a pleasure to be on your show and to uh, speak to you uh, and to your listeners. No, absolutely. And I know, um, you know, you're doing all the hard work, you know, I'm just talking about it. So it's something where, you know, running for city council, um, it's something where you've been a part of a fabric of the Glendale community for so many years, uh, like I mentioned in the introduction there. But why is now the time for you to take it to another level? I think that there's a lot of changes going on in the country as a whole. Um, not to bring in the national politics to the local level, but I think the frustrations that people have with what's happening in Washington, D.C., and it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican, if you voted for Trump or you voted for Clinton, eh, people are looking more to their local leaders and to City Hall to reinstill and reaffirm their faith in government. You know, local leaders are the ones who decide whether there's a stop sign on the corner down the street from you or whether... There is, uh, you know, the schools have the funding they need. They set the priorities to uh, fix the sidewalks, repair the streets. Um, They make all the decisions that most directly affect our lives. And there's people that you're actually able to meet and see. You know, not a lot of folks see their federal representatives or even their state representatives. If they see them, it's only when they're back in town um, for brief periods of time. So local leaders are the most accessible and I believe most genuine leaders when it comes to public service. And in that, I believe that Glendale is at a very critical time as well. I think that there's a lot of changes that have happened, a lot of construction, a lot of development, I would say sometimes overdevelopment. Um, And there's a lot of priorities that we've um, put to the wayside or the city council has set aside uh, for other priorities, which I don't necessarily agree with. So I decided that it's time for me to roll up my sleeves, use my 14 or 15 years uh, plus experience as city clerk and many more years experience having worked in government and with government uh, agencies to try and bring about some positive change that's going to help secure a brighter future for Glendale uh, and its residents. So, you know, there's no perfect time to do anything. The perfect time to do something is when you decide to do it and when you do it. And I believe that now is as good a time as any for good leadership Um, and for someone who has experience, integrity, and vision to move Glendale forward. Right, and um, 
voting takes place uh, from February 22 to March 3rd. And you recently held a meet and greet in Glendale. Um, and I'm very curious, what is uh, the main question and the main pressing points that people are talking to you about? Well, first of all, thank you for mentioning that voting will start February 22nd. And actually, many people have already started receiving their absentee ballots at home. If you're a voter who, when you registered, requested that you always receive your ballot at home, you're probably already receiving um, your ballot with the names of all the candidates, including uh, candidates for the presidential primary, if you're a Democrat or Republican. And uh, to get the word out and to get people aware about what's happening and the eight candidates that are running for three seats, uh, we've held a lot of meet and greets, uh, a lot of coffees, um, some fundraisers. And, you know, we talk to voters. I talk to voters when I go door to door and I knock on doors and I talk to folks. The main issues that people bring up is the amount of traffic, um, public safety, the increases in crime and graffiti, um, as well as probably the biggest issue right now is housing. The cost of housing, um, the type of development that's happened in Glendale, and people are just not very happy with where the city uh, has come from in the last 10 years. You look at, if anyone who lives in Glendale knows, you drive through downtown Glendale now, and uh, there's these tall office buildings or tall residential buildings that are very blocky, not aesthetically pleasing, um, that block out the sunlight. Um, they're built right up to the sidewalk. It's um, not very appealing aesthetic. And so people are, are frustrated about that because when they see new developments being proposed, they believe that's going to be of the same type as it was before. They're worried about how expensive those units are going to be. Some of them, the rent is more expensive than what I pay on the mortgage of my house. And they're concerned that the rising costs and um, the lack of affordability is driving people, especially young families outside, out of Glendale, along with our senior citizens, two of our most important uh, segments of our population for the vibrancy and um, success of our city. And um, I'm very curious, you're born in Boston and your roots were here in Los Angeles. So what, uh, what makes you so indebted to the city of Glendale? You know, my family moved here back in the 80s, Manuk, when, you know, I was born. My folks came to the States. Uh, My father was born in Jerusalem. My mom was born in Athens, Greece, and they met as undergrads at Yerevan State University. And they came to the States because my they got into graduate school. My dad was working on his master's and his Ph.D. at Harvard in Boston, which is where I was born. But then after finishing graduate school, they, you know, did what all grad students do or recent graduates. They, you know, tried to find work and My father worked in a number of places and made a name for himself as a very talented, um, intelligent, and successful environmental chemist. Um, Eventually, his work brought him out to L.A. because during the 80s, L.A. had a really big problem with smog. The air in L.A. was terrible in terms of quality, so bad that in the evenings after the news report and when they were talking about the weather, they'd also give you a smog report and tell you whether it was safe for um, students and seniors to go out and, and uh, spend any time outside, outdoors. So he came here and we settled in Glendale because Glendale at the time had a small but growing Armenian community. It was known for having great neighborhoods, safe neighborhoods. It was a place where you could send your kids to excellent public schools. Um, houses um, were still affordable. It was a place where you could make the American dream come true. So I moved here when I was in the fourth grade. I moved to Glendale in the fourth grade and uh, have lived here ever since. It's 
I've lived in a few other places, but it's the only place I've ever called home. Um, and, you know, it means something to me because, you know, every significant experience I've had as a child growing up as an, to an adult uh, and, 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 and beyond has, has somehow included this city. You know, it's where I'm raising my family now. It's where my son will hopefully go to school and it will be the same school I went to. You know, the, my family on the father's side, the Kasachians and the Arsenians, and my mom's side, which is Antonians and the Rosarians, you know, they they had to move from country to country because they were trying to find safety and security. My grandmother survived the genocide, survived the Nazi occupation of Greece, um, ended up living in the Soviet Union and having to leave that place. No one in my family for roughly 300 years really has been able to go to the same school for two successive generations. But now here in Glendale, a place that's given us so many opportunities, I went to Artie White Elementary School, and my son may next year start at Artie White as well as a kindergartner. That's something that's very special and means something to me. And it, it goes back to as to what this community means. My parents always raised us to believe that to those to whom much is given, much is expected in return. And this city has given my family a great deal in terms of stability, security, opportunities for success. And I have an obligation to make sure that others have those same opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, voting takes place again from February 22 to March 3rd. And, you know, this is not a one-man race. You're in a field of eight other people, uh, some of which are Armenian as well. However, uh, how do you separate yourself from the competition as far as uh, the platform that you're bringing? What is it that really is going to give you uh, an edge to to what you bring to the table? Well, I think my experience is just on its own probably the most significant thing I'm bringing to the table because no one running in this election in this cycle has attended more city council meetings than I have, has the institutional memory that I have. I've been, as a city clerk, you're the parliamentarian. You sit there and you take notes for all the city council meetings. You prepare the packets. You provide the information to the council and I understand, you know, what we've done in the past and why we have some of the problems we have today. And I've attended budget hearings. I've, I understand the city's budget. I have an understanding of how the city departments work with, well, work with each other or sometimes don't work with each other. Um, and, you know, I, I will hit the ground running. It's, it's just basically the experience and knowledge I bring um, to the table is far and above better than, anyone else running uh, for these seats now. And most importantly, as a parent, as someone who wants to raise this child in a safe, um, nurturing uh, community, uh, I have a skin in the game, so to speak. I have a vested interest by being a parent and raising his family here. So, I, you know, other folks, I'm sure, are doing it for the right reasons as well. This is not to take anything away from any of the other candidates. But no one has uh, the experience that I do working in City Hall, working with different organizations, having the type of support and endorsements that I have from all parts of the community that I'm very proud of, um, and including State Senator Anthony Portentino, who represents our district up in Sacramento, uh, people like Supervisor Mike Antonovich, most notably Congressman Adam Schiff, who helped pass the genocide resolution for the first time in the House of Representatives in our U.S. Congress. Um, all of these things come to bear um, and he's also the congressman who represents Glendale and someone I've known for many years. So all these people have uh, trust in me, uh, know that I can get things done, and uh, are backing my candidacy.
Now, I know you also have um, your your day-to-day job as the city clerk uh, in Glendale. Can you take me through uh, what that looks like and uh, what kind of what that job description is for anyone who might be unfamiliar? Yeah, so the city clerk is a parliamentarian for the city. Uh, you run the city council meetings. You run the um, – Besides city council meetings uh, and serving as a parliamentarian, you're the custodian of public record. And you also run elections, you know, for the last 15 years. What drove me to run for city clerk was this idea that people should understand how their government works, why it sometimes doesn't work, but most importantly, how they can make it work the way they want it to, which is tied to elections, being able to vote people in and out of office um, when you support someone or you oppose someone. And, you know, in Glendale, we just had not done as much as I believed we should do through the city clerk's office to raise that type of awareness. Now, when I first was elected, we had about 27% voter turnout. Uh, I'm not sorry, 27, 17% voter turnout. And while being city clerk, we raised it to almost 24, 25% during my tenure at its highest point, which is significant. Now, I like to see 100% voter turnout, but, you know, that's you don't find that anywhere in, in uh, our country. Um, but just increasing it even a little bit and making sure more people are participating in those decision-making processes or having a voice as to who's making decisions for them um, is one of the reasons why I ran for city clerk and why I enjoy what I do. When people have frustrations and they want to understand how government works, this is an excellent opportunity in that regard. You know, you talk about voter turnout, and, you know, there's still... Uh, the numbers are not where it needs to be. What do you think is holding people back from voting? You know, different people have different reasons. Um, but conversely, different people vote for different reasons. We have people who vote based on environmental issues or climate change, people who vote because women's rights or gun rights are important to them or, or gun control is important to them. Everyone has a reason that they go out and vote, who, do, who does vote. Everyone who votes who has a different reason voting but there's really no reason not to vote because if you're not voting that means you're allowing someone else to make the decisions that impact your life for you and i think the main reason people don't vote is apathy or a lack of understanding if you don't understand how government works or what your role in it is it's intimidating you know um i know that even though i've been a consistent voter when it comes to some of those judge uh, elections the judicial elections where there's a bunch of people running for judge I don't know who's who from what, and there's really no simple way to find out. Um, so, you know, it's it's difficult for me to make a decision that I'm comfortable with because I don't know much about the process. Now, for someone who doesn't know how government works or what it can do for them, you know, you, you kind of hang your head down maybe and say, well, if I'm not going to be interested in it. I'll just keep doing it as long as I'm getting my paycheck, as long as things are good at home. Um, as long as, you know, my lights come on, the water is hot, uh, when it needs to be hot, I'm fine. And I think those things breed uh, increased apathy because people do get engaged in government when it hits their pocketbook, when something happens that impacts them directly. Maybe someone decided to, um, you know, build a freeway next to them or build an apartment complex next to where they live and uh, they get upset. Then they get very engaged. And then by then, though, it's too late because the people who are making those decisions were already elected by others. Um, I think on the other hand, when, when we are active and involved, it helps us prepare and make better informed decisions as to who represents us and ask and helps us ask the right questions. That's I think part of the challenge as well. A lot of people don't understand 
what are the right questions to ask their elected officials. And so we, we fall into this trap of apathy. Um, we start thinking, well, things are okay. It's not bad. So why vote? Let the status quo stay the status quo. Well, we've seen that that's not the case, at least nationally right now. I think people are, are, are playing, paying closer attention to what's happening in Washington, D.C. But I assure you that what happens locally on the council level far more important than anything that would ever happen in Washington. Right. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you outlined and briefed us on your role as a city clerk. Uh, working from that position uh, so closely to, with the city council, what do you think uh, has been your foremost learning throughout that process that you're going to apply should you get a seat? Number one is working with different people and listening to neighborhoods and finding out what they need rather than telling them what they need. Do I have ideas, Manuk? Plenty. I have a lot of ideas. I can share them with you for this program and the next program. But ultimately, I think what's most important is being able to listen to neighborhoods and ask them questions like, what do you, what do you think will help make your neighborhood safer? Is it a stop sign? Is it blocking traffic from driving through this street? Is it that you need more lights on your street because it's too dark at night? Do you need more police officers patrolling this area? Tell us what you need so we can help provide it, rather than telling you what you need. I don't think enough of our council members listen to the neighborhoods and to our residents. They do. They do. I take that back. They do once every four years or you know, whenever they're up for re-election. Everyone gets into campaign mode and begins these dialogues that make them appear to be more attentive to the needs of the community. But that has to be continuous. It can't just be seasonal whenever ballots are being mailed out. We need to make sure that people understand that they have a voice and that their elected officials are there to listen to them. So I want to make sure that we continue to have neighborhood meetings. That I have, I'm not, the meet and greets are not going to stop just because I was elected, if I'm elected, um, and most importantly, we need to find out, you know, how we can get people to feel that they have ownership over the decisions that are made for them. You know, and, you know, we're, you're a part of that community as well. You said you live in Glendale. And if you were to listen to your neighbors, if you were listening to the people across the street from you, do you feel like the, the messages uh, that you're getting are the ones that you're also working on fixing? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. You know, um, I remember one instance where a family, you know, kept calling the city because they wanted a stop sign at their intersection. And the city just said, oh, we have to do a traffic study. We have to do this. We have to do that. And they said, well, our previous traffic studies show that there isn't a stop sign needed there. But anyone who lives on that street, and I knew it was what, the, what the needs were of that neighborhood because I used to drive around there all the time on my way to my parents' house. They knew that there was a stop sign that was needed there because without it, people would zip and rip through that intersection and it was only a matter of time before there was a car accident or worse. And so, you know, when the city folks, the, the people in the department that handles the issue were approached, their initial response was to be dismissive of the request. But by pressing upon it, we finally got a stop sign at that intersection and people love it. The people in that neighborhood are so grateful because they know they they're there every day. You know, a city analyst or someone who does research on whether a traffic study merits a stop sign is going to come out, do a little bit of research, um, and then leave and doesn't live there 24 hours a day or spend as much time as any of the residents there do in a week. 
And so, you know, I hear about those traffic issues. I hear about the congestion issues. I hear about the uh, inaffordability of housing issues. And these are all important issues that I think that at these meeting rates people are bringing up. They're also concerned about the city's future finances, how we're going to be able to pay for the types of things that we want. You know, we just passed a sales tax measure increase by the voters called Measure S. And the $30 million that it was projected to raise for the city has already been spent five times over, including an ice rink at City Hall, which, you know, may have been fun for the holidays, but it cost half a million dollars and it's not a permanent park. And we have so many other issues that we need to focus on as a community. Yeah, that's kind of like the old saying, putting lipstick on a pig when you have so many problems and you try to put something nice. Yeah, there's people... Yeah, there's people living in tents. You know, we had a homeless crisis, and here we are building an ice rink, uh, a temporary ice rink for three or four, maybe it was six weeks, it doesn't matter. Point is, like, you know, uh, it was there for a brief period of time, and it cost 40 bucks just to go and ice skate, you know. And the the rationale given by the mayor and others was that, you know, um, this will bring joy to the people in South Glendale who live in a very park-poor area. Okay, so you gave them joy, you know, for a brief period of time and charged them 40 bucks a pop to rent ice skates and go on the ice. What about the rest of the year? Well, Artie, you've made it very clear you're not a fan of public ice rinks in Glendale, but <laughs> when we when yeah. we take when we take yeah. a break, uh let's talk about some of the other improvements that you have in mind and uh the plans and executing them. So, let's take a quick break and when we come back, uh we'll talk about it. You're listening to Time Out with Manu Kakopian. And welcome back, everyone. We are joined by Artie Kasakian, who is the city clerk for Glendale here in California and also is running for Glendale City Council in the upcoming voting cycle, which will take place from February 22 to March 3rd. Uh, there'll, there'll, there's eight candidates, and a total of three will be selected. So this is not a one-person uh, job. And, Artie, we left off talking about one thing you didn't like. Uh, what's one thing that you're going to immediately work on and make uh, a part of your process if you were to get a seat? Well, I'll tell you, there's a number of things. I think overall, we just need to elevate the quality of services, uh, picking up our trash regularly, making sure our streets are clean and they're paved, and um, that we're spending the right uh, resources to address the right issues. Uh, but one thing I'm very passionate about is school safety. Um, obviously, we've seen this increase in gun violence, and we see opioid crisis. We hear about it. We read about it in the news. Mental health issues among our youth as they're stressed out to try and achieve more and um, get ahead uh, in school and other areas of their lives. And I just feel that we need to restore the resources in our schools and work with our schools. I know the council sometimes is perceived as being separate from our schools, but that's not, the, that's not what it should be. Uh, we should have a healthy relationship with our school board, cooperate with them, because a city is only as good as the schools we have and the children that we nurture and um, serve. And the families. So one thing that I'd like to see that was eliminated by previous councils was bringing police officers who are known as school resource officers back to the campuses to interact with the kids, to be a resource for them, to be there for their safety, 
to help counsel them through issues um, and really get to these kids at a young age before the problems and challenges of life compound where it becomes something that we're addressing on a, a criminal enforcement level. Um, I believe in addressing problems early on at early ages and helping our children. And it's one of the issues that I'm very passionate about, you know, not to mention the fact that with um, a lot of the school violence that's occurring, having people there who are trained professionals to interact with our kids um, is, is absolutely critical. But it's not just about having police officers there. We need to also invest in the mental health resources throughout the city, both to help our homeless and our youth and, and others. Um, we need to invest in stopping uh, this opioid crisis and educating um, the youth about it and giving them options for other activities. Um, you know, we have a very dense city with a lot of uh, parts of it without enough park space for people to go and enjoy themselves and just have a reprieve from uh, living in an apartment or a condo in a very dense part of town. But you look around downtown, land is very expensive now. Real estate is expensive. So you ask yourself, where are we going to build more parks? Well, we have the space. We have those schoolyards that when school's not in session or on the weekends are just sitting there behind a padlock and a chain link fence. And I remember as a kid, and I'm sure you do as well, that, you know, that come the weekend, uh, you'd want to grab your ball, you'd want to grab your bat, you'd want to grab your soccer ball or whatever. And you'd go look at these school fences or you'd look at the yard behind the fence and eventually you'd either hop the fence or crawl underneath it because that's what kids do. So the question is, why criminalize these kids? Why make these campuses off limits to the neighborhoods in which they exist? Let's work with the schools and open them up and make them available, not just for young people, but for adults as well, and have them serve the purposes of parks when they're not in being used by the schools and have them be an amenity for the community around them. Um, that's one of the ideas that I want to push for and I want to work with our school leaders, um, School Unified School District, to make it into a reality, um, because I think that will help improve the lives of many people and give our kids something to do other than stay at home and, I don't know, play video games. Or I guess now the thing is you watch YouTube videos of other kids playing video games, um, which I don't understand, but I guess it's a thing. Oh, no, the esports phenomenon. That's what you're hinting at. And, you know, it's something. You know, where... How is it? By the way, do we really call, do we have to call it esports? I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, you would know better than I would. Yeah. You're the sports expert, but um, the fact that we call it esports is just so hard for me to get it. Yeah. I've I've interviewed uh, the likes of Shaquille O'Neal and Rick Fox and uh, many other athletes who consider esports players athletes. And I argue with them all the time. I'm like, you know, you're just saying that just because you're, you have a. You're some skins in the game, you know. You're investing in it as a as a as a. I entity. don't object to it if you put chess on the same level, because I do understand that requires some skill and requires some dedication and practice. Yeah. But if you're gonna put uh, video games on the pedestal uh, along with athletes, then in the very least, for the very same reasons, chess is deserving of the same. Uh, attention and in some countries it is right in Armenia chess is held to a very very high standard it's a mandatory part of the curriculum and I do believe in the merits of chess for teaching important lessons and skills to young people maybe video games do as well but I'll tell you I've seen some of these video games and it's questionable yeah I mean you I meant different strokes for different folks yeah I mean you mentioned chess and I guess going back to Glendale with the recent addition of chess park it's actually a restaurant, but, you know, it's something where uh, I'm very curious as to what 
a kind of input and feedback you're getting from business owners as well, too, uh, because they're obviously citizens and likely live in Glendale at the end of the day, too. Uh, what's the main concern from business owners that is coming out from Glendale right now? You know, in Glendale, I think a lot of businesses are looking to the future of the economy, what's happening. There's a big concern about what the future of retail is. Um, But most people who want to open up a business in Glendale really care about a few things. One is, you know, is is the community where they're going to invest their money um, for their livelihood, for their future, a safe community. So they want Glendale to be safe. They want it to be clean because that'll inevitably attract customers. Um, In addition to that, they want city's processes to open up a business to be understandable and easy. Uh, Too often, there's just this bureaucratic wall that goes up. You know, I know one guy, uh, a gentleman, who wanted to open up a bakery, um, and he was applying for getting his permits to get things started, and he got slapped with a a fee that was over $10,000, and it was going to cripple his uh, business model before it even had a chance to start. Um, and, you know, I had to talk to the department, talk to this individual, put them in touch. City of L.A. got involved because it was in an area right along the Glendale-Los Angeles border, and these issues come up, different agencies having different rules. Um, and, you know, most times, you know, if you're a big, big company, if you're like someone who's like the person who uh, founded and started the Americana or the gallery or other places, you have people that you pay lots of money. You have attorneys that can handle these things for you. But the average mom-and-pop business does not. The small business owners just want to be able to go in, get a direct answer, get the help they need, and and get on with starting their business and making their dreams come true. And sometimes those bureaucratic hurdles uh, can really dissuade a person, can really make the difference between success and failure. I've spent my whole career as city clerk making sure that we eliminate as many of these bureaucratic hurdles as possible. I've tried to take permits that were previously in my office as city clerk and move them over to permit services because I know how frustrating it is for me, Manuk, when I go someplace, and I'm sure your listeners will agree and have you know their own stories. You know, you go someplace and you'll have a simple question and they'll send you to one department and then to another window and then to another department. Pretty soon, like two, three hours of your day got wasted because you're trying to get a simple answer to a question. And it's uh, frustrating. That doesn't do anything to reinforce people's faith in government. So, you know, when in my department, we used to issue filming permits, but filming permits had to be approved by the police department, by public works, by traffic or transportation and parking. Person would have to go to each of those departments that was in a different part of the city until finally I said, we don't need to do filming permits through the city clerk's office. Do it through the permitting center so someone could get all the answers they need in one place. Uh, instead of, you know, schlepping around City Hall from one place to another trying to figure out uh, answers to their question. Businesses just want the same thing. They want to be able to make money. They want to be able to make their dreams come true. And they want to do it without a lot of headache from entities like city government. Again, we are joined by Artie Kasakian, uh, Glendale City Clerk, who is running for Glendale City Council, uh, coming up here in from February 22 to March 3rd is when the voting takes place. And Artie, um, I'm very curious as to how the voting process has changed in 2020. What is that looking like right now? So this is going to be the biggest change in Los Angeles County elections in 50 years, if you can believe it. So before you used to go into a voting booth, you'd slip in that voting card with all the numbers on it. There would be a sample ballot book that 
corresponded to the book, and then you'd like with a little device mark with an ink dot the the your choice. And then a machine would read all that. That was called the Inkavote system. The name is not important. Just it's important to know that now it's going to be completely different. You're going to have an electronic touchpad system that prints up a ballot and then uh, deposits it into a secure box that's then transported to Norwalk, the county registrar recorder's headquarters, and it'll be tabulated there. Uh, also, City of Glendale elections are no longer in April of odd-numbered years. They're going to be in even-numbered years. This was a decision made by the voters back in 2018. This is the first election under that new system. And uh, moving forward, Glendale's city elections will be combined with the state primary, uh, which is an election cycle with a far greater turnout. But in addition to the change in the date of the election, uh, which this year is on March 3rd, the fact that you can vote early from February 22nd all the way to March 3rd at any of these vote centers well, they'll ha- where they will have one of these vote machines is going to be a big, big change. Um, you know, people got to be aware that whenever there's a race where there's more than four candidates, they need to hit the more button on the screen at the very bottom um, instead of next because you can possibly skip a race without seeing all the names for candidates. Um, a lot of changes. A lot of changes, Mono. And I know you're a family man. You have a son. And it's with, you know, with your wife as well, too. What do you think uh, has been the biggest difference you've encountered living in Glendale over the last 30 years? You've Being in that seat, what's the big transformation that you've witnessed and that's really turned into the fabric of the city today? Growth and diversity. I'll tell you, when I first moved here, um, there was a small immigrant community, but it wasn't as large as it is today. Glendale wasn't as diverse as it is today. Uh, you know, we have Filipino, Korean, Armenian, uh, Latino, Spanish-speaking communities from all over uh, Latin America. And uh, it's it's really contributed to the richness of this city. I think Glendale is better for it. You know, I, I, there's a lot of challenges, and you've heard me talk about some of them. But I always say this, and I mean it. There's nothing wrong with Glendale that can't be fixed with what's right with Glendale. We have an energetic, uh, entrepreneurial, um, innovative immigrant uh, culture here of people who chose to make America their home. And in America, of all the places they could have been living in, they chose to make Glendale that place to make their dreams come true. That is invaluable. These people are great. Um, They are the future uh, programmers, uh, entrepreneurs for, you know, the next uh, popular app, uh, they're the entertainers, the people working and making films in the entertainment industry, which has a rich history here in this area. They're the ones opening up restaurants and mechanic shops and all sorts of exciting things that, you know, help uh, a city unlike any other. Um, cultural diversity, you know, housing that, you know, we have great neighborhoods, single family neighborhoods, as well as a vibrant downtown. Um, it's We have it all. And we just need to make sure that we improve upon it, we help it grow, and we really have our eyes to the future and what we're passing on to the next generation. We need to make sure our youth have um, a positive environment in which to grow, learn, work, and play. And you mentioned culture and diversity. It's uh, I laugh every time when I meet someone even from around the world or out of state or even here in Los Angeles where they ask me, they assume I live in Glendale just because I'm Armenian. And uh, I just laugh because the the conception 
the I'm sorry, the perception is that every Armenian lives in Glendale. Um, what do you think is the biggest misconception of Ar- Armenians who live in Glendale? Because everyone seems to think we're, we all live there. Um, uh, I would say I think the biggest misconception is that we're all somehow related to the Kardashians. <laughs> um, I think the the other misconception is that the Armenian community doesn't participate in politics, or if they do, um, they only support Armenian candidates. Um, not realizing that Armenian community is very diverse, um, very active. Uh, you know, comes. Uh, you know, you have Armenians in Glendale from all over the world, from Argentina, uh, from Argentina to. Um, the Middle East, whether it be at Lebanon, Egypt, uh, Syria, um, you have Armenians from Greece, from the former Soviet Union, from Russia, from Soviet Armenia, former Soviet Armenia, from Iran, from Iraq. And all of these folks bring a special um, part of the culture that was absorbed into their fabric after the genocide and have helped make Glendale a better place for it. Here's an example. I mean, you know, we mentioned all the, you know, when we talk about Armenians, we'll say, hey, you know, uh, we think of them as either being Lebanese Armenian as a catch-all phrase for all Western Armenians, or we think of uh, Persian Armenians as being uh, outlier because they speak Eastern Armenian, but they're not from Armenia. And of course, we think of Hayastansis, right? Uh, well, I know, I, you know, one of the stories I love the most is a young man uh, who moved here from Paris, French Armenian, Armenian from France, whose goal was to break into the music industry, came here fell in love, got married to another Armenian uh, girl, and uh, he started a macaroon business, uh, Napoleon's Macaroons, and was very successful at uh, selling the macaroon desserts, which were very popular, or still are very popular. You know, and you know he did that here as an Armenian in an Armenian-American community, but as an Armenian from France, uh, making a French dessert that uh, became very popular. You know, where else can that happen besides here in Glendale? And there's countless stories like that, like from Rafi's place, which serves some of the best Persian food and Persian-Armenian food, um, to Carousel and, and so many others. There are great businesses. We have a company called Service Titan, which is being valued uh, at over a billion dollars, which was started by two local kids. One went to high school in Burbank. The other was the Glendale High School. Didn't go to Glendale High School, but went to high school in Glendale at the Clark Magnet. And had an idea that was born from what their parents, uh, the industry they were in. They're, both their parents worked in the HVAC business. Um, and uh, now uh, they're tremendously successful, hugely successful. And it's a local Glendale success story. Um, you know, Armenians, Armenians are a mosaic, not a monolith. We come in all shapes and sizes and um, personalities. And, yeah, you know, we all uh, have a common heritage, a common history. Uh, but, you know, we're as diverse as any other community. Yeah, and, and I think one of the big champions of that community, and you, you mentioned his name earlier, and Adam Schiff, who's also endorsing you uh, for your run for city council here. I'm very curious as to your dealings with Adam Schiff and how his work throughout the years has finally come to fruition in the sense of genocide recognition. Is that something that you're particularly proud of as far as how that relationship has been built and and nurtured throughout the years? Well, I'll tell you that we're very fortunate to have people like Adam Schiff, people like Congressman Frank Pallone, 
um, and others uh, in Congress uh, fighting for our interests. And, and on both sides of the aisle, we have friends on both the Republican and Democratic side. Let's not forget that one of the champions uh, for the Senate version of that bill was Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, someone that I did not support when he was running for president, partially because he was a Republican, but also because I didn't believe in his politics, but impressed by him in the wake of the passage of the Senate version of that bill. He spoke excellent uh, on this issue, demonstrated a very strong knowledge and a very strong moral fiber when it came to resisting pressure from Turkey and and its uh, affiliate lobbies that have always stopped this bill from passing. Adam Schiff has dedicated the better part of his career, not just here uh, and not just in Congress, but also when he was in the state Senate. He's always been a friend of the Armenian community. I know he's drawing a lot of Lock nowadays uh, from folks who are strong Trump supporters for his role in a historic impeachment. But notwithstanding what your opinions are on the impeachment, no one can question Adam, Adam's uh, sincerity and uh, dedication to getting this genocide resolution passed. I mean, you know, I was I was very touched, and I and I believed you know he he was very he his emotions were genuine when he almost broke into tears reading and thanking his colleagues for casting that vote. And and a lot of credit goes to Nancy Pelosi as well for letting this resolution pass and finally reaffirming, not recognizing, because Congress had recognized the genocide long before, but reaffirming in recent history our historical past, um, the historical facts, and standing up to uh, the Turkish lobbying interests. And uh, I know that Adam will continue to be a champion for Armenian issues and the Armenian cause in Congress. Um, and I couldn't ask for a better person to represent us in that regard. Yeah, it was truly a monumental day when the news was announced. And um, likewise, you're trying to create a, a monumental day for yourself with the upcoming elections. Um, any parting messages you'd like to uh, leave with listeners uh, who are contemplating as yeah, far as of course. What, what, you, what to do with the vote? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have three important messages for people. Vote, vote, and vote. Uh, You know, in all seriousness, the most important thing you can do is just get out and vote and tell two or three of your friends to vote as well. Uh, They can, your listeners can go to www.artikasakian.com. They can go to the Glendale Votes website and find out more about my campaign by reading about me under the the heading of candidates. Um, They can call me and ask me questions directly if they want. They can uh, message me through Facebook or through Instagram or Twitter. Uh, I want to hear from them, but most importantly, you need to make, if you're listening to this radio show right now, you live in Glendale or know someone who lives in Glendale, you have to tell them to vote because it's the most important civic duty that we have. Everything begins with voting. And then after you vote for your elected officials, hold us responsible, hold us to our campaign promises and pledges, and make sure that you continue to keep an eye on us to make sure that we're serving you, the public. Um, with that, I want to thank you for this time. Um, it's been great. Uh, I know that some of my answers were probably a little long-winded, and uh, we could probably talked a lot more about esports and chess uh, <laughs> in addition to all the issues facing Glendale. But I want to commend you for having this radio show and making it accessible to a new generation of Armenians, and hopefully uh, we made it interesting and worthwhile for your listeners. Absolutely, Artie, and uh, thank you very much for your kind words. and. Uh, continue uh, doing the great work that you do and championing causes not only in Glendale but for the Armenians who live in Glendale 
it comes with a lot of hard work and you have over three decades of doing that. So uh, just a, a thank you on behalf of uh, all of our friends and family who who live in the Jewel City. And um, good luck with the vote um, and looking forward to uh, reconnecting again down the line and uh, covering your career from a different perspective as well, too. Thank you very much, Manu. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Artie.